0: Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. I'm your host, Austin, uh, one of the pastors here at Redemption, and I'm excited we have a new voice on the podcast. But before we introduce him, we have with us uh, Rick McKee, our lead pastor. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, brother. I am uh, like you, excited to have a new voice here. So why don't you go ahead and, and introduce him? Yes,
0: yeah, so we have our newest pastor, one of our new associate pastors, Sean Maybe. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. So how long? How long have you been on staff now?
1: Ooh, two months, something like two that. Months. Maybe a little okay. over. Yeah. And based on the podcast, we're going to find out, is there a third month? Is there the a third right. month? We'll see. <laughs> we don't know. Let's see yes. how it goes. Yeah.
0: Give us your feedback as you listen. Just no uh, pressure yeah. there, brother. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to... It's gonna, what we're going to talk about today is going to tie into your, your role. But before we get into that, uh, let's, let's kind of tease this question out. So, Sean, this is obviously a new job for you here at Redemption. And I want to go way back and just ask you, we'll start with you and then we'll go around the table. What was your first job? So I doubt I was a pastor. It's probably something first, yeah, it, but what was the first one?
2: Yeah, I didn't start out as a pastor. Uh, so my first job in high school was McDonald's. So nice. that kind of prototypical, hey, this is your first job, fast food. And I was just a cashier. Nothing, nothing glamorous about it, but a cashier at McDonald's.
1: Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. So they put you up on the counter.
2: Yeah, that's, I like to say Pretty that's boy. where the
0: beautiful people go,
1: Pretty right? Pretty
2: boy. <laughs> there
0: we go. Nice. You were the face. Of, was that in Hudson? So you are like, oh, you're yeah. the face of the Hudson oh, McDonald's. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Hudson, yeah. Hudson McDonald's right there on what,
0: 303 there? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. What about you, Pastor Rick?
1: So I, it, takes, it takes some remembering because I'm 52, so it was, it was a while ago. But uh, I think my first job was when I worked at the Cheesecake Bakery. So this was a, I mean, it was really, it wasn't like the factory this year, but it was like a smaller shop and three ladies that baked and they were amazing, all different flavors and all that. And so I would work sometimes back in the kitchen, washing dishes, which were like, not plates and forks, but like large bowls and mixers and all this stuff. And I remember the water was piping hot, had to be commercially and, and. Man, uh, my hands got used to it after a while. But they also ran up front. Sometimes I would be up on the cash register, like you were at McDonald's, and I would be up there. They also ran a coffee bean business. But this was I'm talking like 1980, maybe 88, 89. So this is before anybody thinks about like coffee shops and all that. And so it was much more of a niche or niche thing mm. back then um, that people would come in and order their beans. I flavored them hazelnut and put it in this thing and mix it up and put them out there and measure out their beans and sell them and all that so that was one of wow. my first jobs kind of
2: weird yeah. hmm. that's a good first job too like i, think, I would yeah. have loved that just for the free cheesecake
1: 100 mm-hmm. percent. because back then i like coffee now i got a cup right in front of me right now but back then i didn't like coffee but cheesecake <laughs> oh, oh, man. oh yeah that sounds good what about you brother
0: so my first job was uh, daycare. So after school care primarily, but a little bit of summer camp too, but it was first through fourth graders and got paid to basically run around, play some sports, go on field trips. It was, it was a good time. It was a good time. So,
1: Dude, I love that. Okay. So what a lot of people might not know is you were deathly afraid to become a father. Oh yeah. Kids freak me out. Okay. So, but what was your first job? It was yeah, the daycare.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I did it for the paycheck. Yeah, you I sure not. Sure yeah. I did it for one reason. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but it was fun. It actually. Yeah, I mean, I did youth ministry for a while. It kind of prepared me for that a little bit. So. Hundred
1: percent. And now you're a great dad. You're yeah. a great dad. Thanks, man.
0: That's good stuff, guys. Well, uh, let's kind of dive into the topic. So we are going to dive into the topic of community. And so what does it look like? What's the importance of it? Like when we talk about Christianity, kind of one of the buzzwords we often use in the church is community. But what does that mean? What does that look like? And it's easy to throw that word around, but not really have a good understanding of what it is. And and Pastor Sean, this is a big part of your job on our team, and we'll even get into that. So Uh, We're excited to have you guys kind of kick this around. So let me just start with kind of this question. When we say community, uh, why as human beings do we crave community so much? Christians, non-Christians alike, why do we crave this community that we want to have?
1: Well, I think it is because we are... A community is hardwired into us. It's hardwired into us because we are made in the image of God, and community is hardwired into the very essence of God. So if you think about God, we we don't think of, there is one and only one God, and yet he eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God himself has been enjoying community since before time with this beautiful dance of fellowship within the Godhead. So go figure then when he makes us in his image, quote unquote, in his image, well, we are therefore made to be in community.
2: Yeah, and essentially, right, we're, we're created for it. And you see mm-hmm. that even in the Genesis story. God creates everything. Everything is good, very good, except Adam being alone, right? right. That right. that we are not made uh, to be alone but in relationship. And that's why Eve's created, that we are— there's something in which we cannot reflect the image of God the way that we're created to alone, like with, with without being in relationship. Um like, like God is with himself.
1: Right on. That's fantastic. And we, and so because we're made that way, then how, how does that manifest itself? Well, we crave community because we, we have needs. So there's a pragmatic side to it uh, of need. So one of our greatest needs as human beings is to be known and loved. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we would say, well, yeah, but that's from God, right? Well, yeah, for sure. But one of the ways God li- uh, lets that be lived out in our lives is that we experience that love from other people around us. Mm -hmm. And so we have this hardwired need in us to be loved by the people around us. The unique wrinkle with that is it's actually to be known and loved. Because what happens is because I want to be loved so dang bad, what I do is I pretend. Mm -hmm. I put on a mask. I, I fake it because in faking it, that way you won't reject me. That way you'll love me. But ironically, what happens instead is you end up only loving the mask. You don't love me because you, oh, yeah. don't, you don't know me. I haven't shown you me. I faked it. So you love the mask. And, and so it doesn't really scratch the itch that I have as a human being deep down mm-hmm. inside me. So my deepest need is to be known and in that moment loved and accepted, and cherished, and not rejected. So uh, that is a deep, deep need that we have, that yes, that happens in my relationship with God, but I think I feel it most tangibly or practically when I experience that from human beings. Hmm. So it's one of the practical ways that that gets lived out. A second uh, practical thing I think that happens, why we crave community to answer your question, Pastor Austin, is that uh, we need help and support that life is tough. Mm-hmm. Life in a fallen world is particularly tough. And, and frankly, you just can't do it alone. Uh, like, uh, there's just so much going Okay, so uh, studies have been done on geese, and they do the flying V thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a meme recently that uh, said something like, uh, how was it put? Uh, you know, every time you see the geese in the flying V, one side is longer than the others. And, and do you know why that is? It's because there are more geese on that side. (laughs) Thank you, that
0: didn't help at all, okay? Uh, I was waiting for like a really good answer. It was gonna be really deep.
1: Now, here is the deep part. Uh, Why do geese do the flying V? Because they can fly 71% farther than if they're flying alone. It's drafting and all that stuff. So if you think about geese migrating, if they do it alone, they're in big, they do it in a group 71% um, farther. And, and that's, that's not just geese, that's us. So we have this deep need to be in life together because I can't do it alone, mm-hmm. and I need help. And so we need community. Yeah, That's another reason we crave it. Anything yeah. else come to no, mind for you, Sean?
2: I, well, and I would just say 100%. And I did not have money on you talking about geese today. <laughs> <being> <laughs> no. I wouldn't have guessed <laughs> that was a little that. bit of
0: a curveball. Yeah, it. there you <laughs> go. I was, I was
2: like, I don't know where he's going with this, but this has got to be good. And it was. Like, we... I mean, even for me, like, you, you, until you get in certain situations, you don't realize how much you need other people. You know, having your first kid, getting in Mm -hmm. a certain hard situation financially or just family troubles. And then you're like, oh, no, I need, I need some geese to draft behind, right? Sure. Yeah.
1: I remember uh, earlier on in our church history when a couple came to faith and they got involved in our church and they gave birth to a child. And then we surrounded them with meals, and they were floored. They were like, you, you do that? Now, that's something we kind of take for granted in the church, mm-hmm. that when you have a kid, we floor, flood you with meals. Uh, but they just didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, Sean, you mentioned that, you that know, when you have a kid, and which you've done this four times. Yep. You have a lot of kids, so you know, <laughs> know what I'm talking about. But your car breaks down, you go into the hospital, uh, whatever it is to have community around you. And in our day, that used to be your neighborhood. Like back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't move far from home and everybody took it. And now we're so transient. I think there's a particular need. People need community. You need support.
2: Yeah, you're right. Like culturally too, it's totally changed. And mm-hmm. so as a result, we, you, like you said, we're wired for community and we experience it less and differently than it's intended. I was reading a book a couple of years ago. And the whole premise of it was the more technology advances, the more isolated we are. Like when when Mm -hmm. AC got into houses, like people got off their front porches. Mm -hmm. And so at every step like that, we were like, well, I guess I I don't need to interact with people as much. And we just miss it more and more.
1: Yeah. Well, you don't until the crap hits the fan, Mm -hmm. right? And then in that moment, you realize, oh my goodness, I do not have a storm shelter. Mm -hmm. And the storm is just hitting now and it's too late. Yeah. And that happens. It's support just with practical stuff like kids and hospitalizations and all that stuff. But it also within Christianity. So one of the reasons we uh, crave community is because we're actually made to be spiritual beings. We're made to be growing in relationship with God. That's a design thing. Whether we're doing it or not, it's another question, but that's by design. And in reality, Christianity is a team sport. It's not a solo sport. Uh, you were not adopted as an only child. You were adopted into a family and for a reason. And so you you cannot live out discipleship to Jesus without being neck deep in Christian community. There's just too many passages in the scripture, the one and where you take care of one another, do this, one another, one another. It's all over the scripture. You can't live out Christianity alone.
0: Yeah. And kind of, you're, you're kind of going there, Rick. I think it's good. Like, so it kind of leads to another question is what does the Bible say? So, you guys, you know, you just mentioned there's one another passage. I mean, we, we could do a whole other podcast oh on just verses on this. But what are, for you guys, like, what are some of the ones that maybe jump out that you would love to even just highlight when it
1: comes to what does the Bible say
0: about community?
1: Yeah, you're right, brother. And Sean and I had to be fairly targeted in this because. Man, we could, we could vomit three, four hours of Bible verses right now. Uh, we'll try to keep this one tight a little bit. Um, one passage that comes to mind for me is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. You may have heard this at a wedding, okay? Uh, but here's what it says. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the, the one will lift up his companion, But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. All right. So a common wedding passage, but it's really not not about marriage. Now, it applies in marriage, absolutely. But it's not a targeted marriage passage. It's really about survival. When you fall down, somebody picks you up. When somebody comes to beat you up, you you got somebody with you that has your back and you survive. That's in the passage. Uh, even the thing about lying down for warmth, that's a survival thing. If you've watched survivalist shows, like if you have hypothermia, you're about to like You get naked and you get in a sleeping bag together and your warmth, your body warmth keeps each other alive. It's not sexual in nature. It's staying alive time. And so this is saying, listen, to survive as a human being, two are better than one. You need companionship. You need community. Hmm. So that's a passage that came to mind for me. Sean, what about you?
2: So for me, the passage that comes to mind when I think about community is Ephesians two nineteen through 22. And it's really this picture of, of what the church is, like the body of Christ as believers. And I love it because it says you're no longer strangers and aliens. And that's talking about our relationship with God, but also our relationship with each other. There's this assumption in Christ that we're no longer strangers, but there's this fam- uh, familiar family relationship. And it goes on to describe us as a body of Christ being built up into a structure by God where the foundation is Jesus. And so the picture there is that every believer is like, you're a brick in this wall getting built, and, and there's an assumption of relationship and community together. And the problem is if you, if you picture that wall of, of community, when you remove yourself from it, um, you're not only removing yourself from community and what God's created you for, you're actually hurting the wall. Because there's four other bricks re- relying on you or, or, or that you're built on top of that aren't getting benefited by your encouragement, you praying for them, you living life alongside them. Um, and and you, you said this earlier, Rick, but just this picture of Christianity is not a solo mission. Like, right. there's no part of following Jesus that is you can do on your own. And if you're trying, it's going to be really hard to follow Jesus well and, and kill sin and pursue holiness. If, if you're not part of that structure of the body of Christ,
1: it's brilliant, man. I, I love that that you pointed out in Ephesians and, and how you put that that a brick is missing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the cornerstone, the chief one. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, well, Jesus would be the chief one, but but it's certainly in the brick wall, bricks are missing. Mm-hmm. If we don't have each other, that's it's gorgeous. Uh, the only other one that uh, I mean, again, there's tons of them, but I, I feel like I want to mention on this podcast is Acts chapter two gives this great picture of the formation of the early church, um, thinking particularly of verses 42 through 47. Uh, in, in lieu of reading it, but it, it, it talks about how they were in the Word together. So there's spiritual stuff. Uh, they, they were taking care of each other. They're kind of selling their possessions to give to each other. So there's, there's that survivalist taking care of each other. They're praying together. It mentions ordinances and worships. So all that's going on. But another thing that I love that's in that passage is that it says that they were taking their meals together house to house with joy and gladness of heart. So I just don't want to miss that. Like, Community is not just survival, but it's fun. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's sitting around a campfire together. It's it's grilling out. It's playing board games. It's laughter and joy. So there's a huge part of community. And, And one of the things that that I fear, is that somehow in Christianity, when we think of community and fun, that's secular. That's what the non-Christians do, or whatever. But, but then when it comes to Christian community, it gets all dour-faced and, uh, and se- serious and severe and devout. And it's like, okay, wait, wait, no, we're serious about loving God and loving each other, but, but we laugh we laugh. And so I just want that. In fact, the community in Acts 2 was so attractive in the way they took care of each other and had joy together. It says that people were being added to their number daily because it was so attractive. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I want to say, hey, Christians, is the community in your life, Christian community surrounding your life, is it so attractive that people want in? Or is it so dour-faced that people want to run away? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's a, it, it's a beautiful tension that you mentioned about community where, and Acts 2, they're meeting together not just once a week on right. Sundays or Saturdays, they're throughout the week they're living life together, and it's for twofold. Like, part of it's for survival, like, to follow Jesus well, to, to mm-hmm. pursue Him in holiness. This is what I need. But it's also, like, we love each other. Like, we are a family. Like, this is not—too often we think about community as a burden— than something that, like, no, like, I get to spend time with these people that that have my back, that care about me, that are praying for me.
1: Well, I remember the first time I experienced it in my life was probably... I was a new Christian in high school, and I uh, had some Christian friends, the ministry I was involved with, but I really... I feel like I first experienced significant Christian community in college. Yeah. And... Uh, I realized that we are, because we're hardwired for community, you will have it, you will find it somewhere. And if you don't find it as a Christian with other Christians, you'll find it outside that circle. And I remember the first time I found it with uh, brothers who were Christian brothers really pursuing Jesus and, and, man, it was just electric in my life. It's one of the things that helped me start to grow most significantly. Not just reading the word, not just prayer but also Christian community. Huge, important part, and it just came alive. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so, and, and you're starting to even tease that out a little bit. Like, I mean, we know what the Bible says. You know, like we said, we can go through tons of passages, but but for people listening that, you know, maybe Redemption Chapel is is their church home. Maybe it's another church home. If they're listening, maybe they saw this on Facebook, who knows? But, but they're listening, and they're like, okay, how do I live this out in my local church? Mm. Week to week, day to day, like, what the believers God has put around me, what does it look like to live this out within that church body?
1: Yeah. what's that look like? How's it feel? So somewhat on a practical side, how to live that out somewhat, you might need to pursue it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of people come to the church, any church, and they feel, they go passive and they feel like it's the church's job to give them friends, almost like joining a fraternity. And now I have my built-in friends and, and Uh, and they'll be there two, three, six months later, maybe a year later, and like, hey, hey, I I don't have Christian friends here at the church. The church is failing. Well, you might have to go active. Mm -hmm. Just like any other arena, you join a new gym, not everybody's asking to hang out. You got to pursue people. So you might have to, uh, as you get in a community group or you get in a Bible study, then you look around the table that you're at and you go, I kind of connect with that dude hey, dude, you want to shoot hoops, you want to go kayaking, do you want, you know, whatever, and you start to build a friendship and then maybe open up a little bit more. You're probably going to have to take some active steps to get there and not just wait for it to come to you. Everybody's waiting for it to come to them. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to go to it. That's good.
2: And and part of what I love about that, Rick, is you're, you kind of hit one of the issues is it doesn't always happen super easily just on a Sunday morning, right? Like Mm -hmm. community is something that You know, if you're just coming in, checking your kids in uh, for Sunday school and going to service and heading right out, it's going to be really hard to, even in six months, to have a really deep relationship where you're living life with people. That's something that it's got to be an ongoing throughout the the week doing something else, like a community group or a Bible study where you're... Mm -hmm. You're intentional. You're pursuing it.
1: Well, and even as I was glossing over Acts 2, Sean, you drew that out a little bit in that it says that they were meeting in the temple courts Mm -hmm. and house to house. The temple courts was a worship service. Temple courts were huge. And the church was able to gather there and have corporate worship. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the week, they're meeting in each other's home. So they found a way to break the big church down into small chunks. Yep. And that's where, like, if you, you're probably not going to notice, I went towards you look around the table at a Bible study or a community group. So I'm assuming you're not going to find it Sunday morning. You're going to get in some other small group within your church. Mm-hmm. And, but even then, you're still going to have to take an active step. Because yep. part of the end goal is uh, I want you to have Christian friends, basically. Uh, it's a natural but starting point. You come to faith in Christ. And of course, all your friends are non-Christians. I get that. I'm not saying you cut them off. In fact, I'd, I'd encourage you to do the opposite. Maintain those relationships because you want to pass the gospel onto them. But what that means is they primarily become a target of prayer and love and ministry influence and in the gospel. And you can still have fun with them and hang out, but you want your traveling companions to be Christians. What I mean by that is when you're, when you're traveling, you're traveling in a direction. And so sometimes people are saying, yeah, I'm walking with Jesus, and all your friends are non-Christians. I say, well, okay, that's like, here we are in Stowe, Ohio. That's like, you're in a car driving south towards Columbus, but you're telling me you're going to Cleveland. No, you're not. You're headed south, not north. And so if all your traveling companions are not walking with Jesus then you are probably not headed toward Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you get a car full of people that are headed toward Jesus, you're probably driving toward Jesus. So that's what I mean by traveling companions. You need, fine, have relationships with non-Christians that you're trying to influence them. But you're going to need traveling companions in life that are headed towards the Lord. And you'll have to pursue them actively to get there.
2: I think kind of what you're saying too is it's it's every part of our life's the same thing where if I wanted to get in better shape and start working out more, if I'm hanging out with people that never work out and are eating fast food every day for lunch, that's what I'm probably going to do most days too. And so same thing with our relationship with Jesus, who we spend the most time with will impact what we love and what we spend the most time doing.
1: Exactly. I remember hearing I think it was when I was in college uh, involved in a Christian ministry, they say, if you want to know who you're becoming,
2: Hmm.
1: look at the people you hang out with. And so if those people are primarily people who are pursuing Jesus hard, well, that's probably who you're becoming. Yeah. Uh, And so you got to get there. Now, once you get those relationships, I think there needs to be a dynamic balance within Christian community between being accepted and challenged. So the accepted part is, hey, come on in just the way you are. We don't care. We love you. You're welcome here. We accept you just the way you are. And then Christian community ought to be transformative. It ought to be shaping. It ought to be helping you grow, which means we don't leave you like that. You know Mm -hmm. what? And and it, it kind of parallels what I've said often about God, that God has enough compassion to accept you just the way you are. And he has enough compassion not to leave you like that. And I think Christian communities should mirror that. Look, I don't care how messy you are, how gross you are, how messed up, what problem. I don't care. You're welcome. And I accept you just the way you are. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also going to be an instrument of God in your life. And you're going to be an instrument of God in my life. And we're going to help each other grow. So it's this dynamic balance between being accepted and challenged. Mm -hmm. That's Christian community. That's
2: good. And and one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Romans twelve, and that's really what you're hitting mm-hmm. on. It's like this, okay. If you want to know how to live out your faith in relationship with people, read Romans twelve, because it's essentially, like, hey, use your gift if your your spiritual gifts, exhortation, then exhort people, encourage them, challenge them, and to follow Jesus uh, more intentionally and, and more closely, or live peaceably with all men. How do how do we have humility in this attitude among ourselves? Because Hey, relationships are hard. Like people are messy, right? Um, but there's this expectation, like you're hitting on, for us to have humility with one another with this purpose of building one another up for the glory of God and His kingdom.
1: Right on. Yeah. Well, and one other thing I'll, I'll spit in there, Austin, is uh, as you got and two guys know, we as a staff team are often going through a book together. Right mm-hmm. now, we're doing The Pursuit of God by Tozer. Um, Love it. One of my favorite books. And it just so happened, as I was reading the next chapter in preparation for staff meeting, I came across this passage in there about community. And I'm like, oh man, I got to snag that for this podcast. Let let me read it to you. It's great. The basic idea here is this, that uh, when we talk about Christian community, we're not talking about a collection of religious Pharisees. People that are just, we, we confess a creed together, and so we're in the in-club. And No, no. It's a community of people who together are pursuing Jesus. And if you have that, it's electric. So here's what he says. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become quote-unquote unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Now it's a, it, it's a great quote. It's very insightful and very challenging. So in a sense, when we talk about community, community can almost be a distraction. Because if we try to pursue so I'm going to tune to Sean, Sean's going to tune to Austin, Austin's going to tune to me. Nobody's tuning to TJ in the background over here, who's producing, Thank you, TJ. Uh, anyway, so if we tune it, like we're, it, it'll be a mess. But if all four of us tune to Jesus, it's going to be gorgeous. And so that is part of Christianity, that we need to just pursue Jesus hard. Mm -hmm. And if each of us are doing that, it's going to be a gorgeous community.
0: Mm -hmm. So kind of narrowing in now to our church, uh, Redemption Chapel here, like what, you know, we, as we talked about this whole podcast, I mean, we want people to experience community. We know it's biblical. I mean, we're going to push that. That's a big part of what we do as Christians, but also as a church. So, so how do we do it here at RC? How do we make sure people are getting that community? How do we push them towards experiencing that?
1: It's a very important question, and that's why we hired Sean, right? So Sean, though I joked at the beginning about this being an audition, it is not you. Um, as you've joined our team, you know, we hired you particularly for, <clears throat> particularly community groups, but to help give lift in this area. And, uh, man, we have loved not only the hiring process to get to you, but then since you've come on our team, uh, we have zero buyer's remorse. We love that you're a part of our team, and I'm looking forward to decades ministering alongside each other. And so when I hear this question from Austin, man, I just want to punt to you, because this is really more your wheelhouse than mine. So what do we do, man?
2: Yeah, first off, thanks, Rick. I really appreciate that. Um, So... Yeah, the bottom line is we want we want people in community. And so one of my main responsibilities, like you said, is leading community groups here at Redemption. And part of the problem is w- when a church gets to any size over a couple people, it, it, it's hard to have this life-giving uh, living—sorry, I guess living life with people on a weekly, daily basis um, experience because it, it, it just gets— so big that you're not really known by people, kind of what you were talking about, that known versus fully known versus sure. fully loved.
1: And, and I, s- I think, like you, you said, over a couple people, I'd say if your church is 100 people, yeah. it's too large to experience yeah. community on Sunday morning. Exactly. Certainly when we're at 1,500, I mean, you just can't, so you mm-hmm. got to break it down,
2: right? Exactly. And so what that means for us as a, a church that is larger, 1,500 people, uh, if, if people aren't in something like a community group, and there's a, a couple other options like men's, women's Bible study. Even if you think about your, your kids with student ministry, going to youth group or being a part of a small group Bible studies for that. Like that's living life with people um, who are pursuing Christ with you. And so the biggest thing for us is... Even for me, I want as many of people in our church to join a community group as possible because what we know will happen then is there's a group of 10, 12, 18 people that are gathered together in a home, and they're saying, hey, we, we want to pursue Jesus together. And again, like you said, what we're trying to do is we're going to tune to the same thing, which is Jesus, and we're mm-hmm. going to pursue Him as we li- live life together. And the problem is it doesn't happen naturally all the time because life's so busy. Uh, but how do we stop and say, hey, this is a priority for us. This is something God's created me for, um, and I need somebody to know about my marriage. And mm-hmm. I, I need people to... to, to like." where I can be real and my mask is down and I can talk about, no, I've really been struggling with this. I, I need you to be praying for me. I need you to know my kids' names and, and right. be praying for them. And so that's, that's what we want for the people of Redemption is to kind of experience that kind of community.
1: Well, I love what you said there because you, you interjected another angle about community that I think is so important. Like we just have to take risks to be real, yeah. to be raw, to be vulnerable. So, so it's not just get in a community group and then the community group comes together and it's prayer time and, hey, you know, Austin, how can we pray for you? And, and you know, well, you know, one of my coworkers has cancer and has surgery next week. Yeah. Can you pray? Meanwhile, and this is not true of Austin, but... but So I shouldn't use Thanks, your man. name. But as a hypothetical, <laughs> uh, like, so meanwhile, let's say this guy that I'm talking about, maybe he, his marriage is really on the ropes. Yeah. And, and what, what he needs to say to the community group is... Hey, we're really struggling. Would you pray for us? Mm-hmm. And uh, and honestly, I'm just seething with anger at my kids. And I'm just an angry dad. And I just need prayer for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm really discouraged in life. And I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with things. I mean, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. A- and those are the real things we deal with. And then it's prayer time at community group. And we say, hey, my coworker has cancer. Would you pray for him? Yeah. It's like, so we just got to get to that next level, right?
2: For sure. And that, I mean that's that's the hard thing we you' like what you're saying we we don't we don't want to do that it's so hard and it's not like there's a there's not like a secret sauce to being in a group of ten people and then you're like i i feel known I like feel right. loved no it's it's am I willing to am I willing to actually be real mm-hmm. and um God, God's gonna be faithful and use that am I willing to confess my sins like we've been called to and just uh encourage one another pray with one another like we've been called to I like even what you were saying, Rick like I think about it this way, like, if my marriage is struggling, like, Rick, you probably shouldn't be the first one to know. My community group should know, right? Mm-hmm. And like, even that aspect, like, who are, the, who are the people I'm sharing every day with kind of thing? It shouldn't, it, it, at a lot of points, it shouldn't be your pastor first. It should be these people that are that are praying for you and know you. And that's kind of the test of, am I experiencing biblical community?
1: Those kind of things. Well, I appreciate you pointing that out, Sean, because uh, that is even a span of care thing uh, that, and I I can't, I'm too distant from the reading at this point, but span of care, I think it's like 12 to 20 people that you can practically care for. And we have 15 in our church, 1500. So if 1500 people think that I'm going to be their community, that just won't work. Sure. And so uh, to be in those community groups where you're actually known and loved our, our pastors probably won't know you on the intimate level like that. That's what the priesthood of believers does. That's the community group level that actually fills that void that you actually have. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, hear this from me, guys. Uh, my encouragement is, uh, we want you to feel known and loved. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the reality is, if if half or or less of our churches and community groups, that means the other half isn't experiencing this, probably, right? Maybe you've gotten another way. Maybe you're in a Bible study. Maybe you're, I just have a good core group of believers and that's awesome. But if you don't, if you aren't fully known where you're being real about your life and your struggles and and feeling loved and pointed to Christ in it, uh, please please join a community group. Uh, we're launching those uh, new ones in the fall, early October. We'd love for you to join one of those and, and kind of commit even though there's there's hardness to that and, and making that a priority. But but join a group, sign up, be known, be loved. And again, community groups, it's not the the, the secret sauce to everything. There's a ton of ways that you can experience community if you're intentional with it. Um, and there's a lot of options here at our church to do that as well.
1: Yeah. So, so important. When you look through the New Testament at what it means to be a part of a church, mm-hmm. and if you were to build a theology a broad theology from the whole Bible and what it means to be a part of a church, I'm, I'm going to be generous right now. Maybe we do 50% of those on Sunday morning. Sure. Maybe. Which means you're missing out on being a part of a church. Well, I, I go to church. No, you go to a worship service. You don't go to church. You go to a worship service, and that's only part of it, and there's so much more that you actually need that I don't want you shut out of. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, really glad to have you on the team and to give leadership to this area and minister to our people. Uh, it's so important. Yeah. yeah,
2: thanks, Rick. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and as, as we kind of wrap this up, I mean, I would echo uh, what Pastor Sean said. I mean, we'll drop uh, links in our show notes to the community group page. They can get more info that you just shared a little bit about Sean, and then uh, Bible studies, all that stuff. We'll drop that in the show notes. So if you're listening, you go to our church. We'd love for you to take that next step. Uh, before we sign off, guys, is there any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave the listeners with?
1: One thought, Sean, do you?
0: No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I just want to underscore man, when you get into that environment, you're going to have to take steps of faith, you're going to have to risk some things. But remember, you you want to take that risk. You do, because it's taking the mask off. Taking the mask off is so scary. It's so scary. But if you don't, then at best, your mask will be loved. But that's not what you need. You need loved. And so, so don't let the mask steal the love from you. Set the mask aside. It'll be scary to take that thing off. Set it aside. Now you're going to be known. Now the true you is going to be loved. And it is so transformative. You need it. I want it for you.
0: Well, guys, this has been a great Discussion, uh, and I hope if you're listening, if if, you're, if Redemption's your home, hopefully this has encouraged you to lean in to the community. If you go to another church home, the same stuff we said. We hope you do it there. Lean in to the community outside of even the weekend service. So, thanks for listening, and we look forward to another episode next month on Redemption Unscripted. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.